Jewish Latin Princess, episode 37, Ali Katz, creator of Hot Mess to Mindful Mom and author of Get the Most Out of Motherhood. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. Are you a hot mess when it comes to motherhood? Be honest, it can be totally overwhelming. And yes, even those of us who's thought we had it all under control before we had children, well, let's just say things change, right? How do we become a better version of ourselves, better parents? How can we be more present and not totally overwhelmed? And as they say in Yiddish, souflagen. My guest today went from hot mess to mindful mom. I have Ali Katz on the show. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Yael Trush. Ali Katz is the creator of hotmesstomindfulmom.com. She's a certified meditation teacher and a certified life and parenting coach. She has been featured on Fox News, Plug and to Dallas-Fort Worth, the Houston Chronicle, among other media outlets. She is also the author of the best-selling book, Hot Mess to Mindful Mom, 40 Ways to Find Balance, Joy, and Happiness in Your Everyday, and is now the author of Get the Most Out of Motherhood, a Hot Mess to Mindful Mom Parenting Guide, which just won the bronze medal of the Living Now Book Awards. Allie is super real and practical, and nothing Allie will tell you will make you feel like you're less. Wherever you are, Allie has been there with you, mamas. We talk about gratitude, about mind control, prioritizing self-care, how can we teach our kids to be kinder to each other? A big one, right? And of course, this is sprinkled with a nice dose of spirituality, as Ali is a very spiritual Jewish woman, as you will now see. Get ready to learn new tips to help you get the most out of motherhood as well. Well, be less of a hot mess and definitely more mindful. Here's Ali Katz. Ali Katz, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. Congratulations on your new book, your second book, Get the Most Out of Mother Motherhood. And I saw that you were recently awarded the Bronze Medal of Living Now Book Awards, of the Living Now Book Awards. That's really awesome. Thank you. It's just, I love this book so much, and I'm so happy to get it into everyone's hands. Um, i been getting such good reviews and people telling me, you know, how helpful the tools are. And that's just what my purpose and my passion is, is to put these tools in the hands of everybody out there so um, they can help. So. Amazing. And you come from personal experience because you're the mother of two boys, which is no easy task. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so funny because my kids have asked me, they're like, when are you writing a book about teenagers? And I'm like, when you're done being teenagers and I have all the lessons that I learned. That. So I really write about where I am in my life. And I always speak from experience and research and all sorts of things. But I, I really write about what I've gone through and my path and how I've learned. So everything is super authentic and relatable right. and accessible because I've been through all of it myself. Yeah, yeah. People feel like it's totally relatable. That's amazing. And speaking about 
being relatable, I mean, you started this whole journey by starting Hot Mess to Mindful Mom. So this is the second book that you've published under that Hot Mess to Mindful Mom series, which started as a blog and getting you got, got got you to teaching people about mindfulness and meditation. So, Ali, take us back to pre Hot Mess to Mindful Mom, Ali, the one who was a hot mess, like <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. People often ask me this question. They say, "Were you really a hot mess?" And I say, "I was." But I almost didn't know how much until I wasn't anymore, if Ooh. that makes sense. No, so it's almost tell me. like until I had sort of gotten far enough on my journey that I could look back and say, I can't believe I used to live like that, uh-huh. that it really hit me how far I'd come. You see what I mean? So yeah. looking back, I can see that um, even though I was a good mom and I was obsessed with my kids and just like everybody is, Mm -hmm. I look back and I see that I was really bringing the exhausted, depleted, overwhelmed version of myself to my family and the world. I was probably yelling a little more than I would have liked and was feeling very overwhelmed and very exhausted. And just last on my list, I felt like looking back, I can see that I felt like I was supposed to be last on my list, that that was somehow being a martyr was like proving my love to my family. Mm -hmm. If I was last, it meant I love them so much that I would put them all first. But then when I see how far I came on my journey, when I started prioritizing self-care and mindfulness and meditation and a few minutes a day just for me, I could see that I brought such a more energized, joyful, centered version of myself to my family and the world, that they were getting the very best of me instead of tired, you know, unhappy mommy, they were getting present, excited mommy. And I was such a better mom to my kids. And that's when it hit me that just a little bit of self care goes a long way because we can't give what we don't have. So if I didn't boost myself up. And if I didn't use these tools on myself, I couldn't bring them to my family. Right. And I couldn't be the mom I wanted to be. Yeah, we can't give from an empty vessel. Right. Exactly. Um, but so Ali, at what point, how old were your kids when you kind of said, wait, something has to shift here? This is not really the, the way I want to be or the way I can be. Like, uh, how, at what point, uh, how old were they? Um, my kids? Okay, so I was like 35. Five. So my kids were probably like four and six. Okay. Okay. Um, uh-huh. They were they were young enough that I had to do a little training <laughs> in mm-hmm. terms of. So they. This is how I explained what I was doing to my kids. So because my whole journey kind of started with meditation. Okay. And just little small bits of meditation. So at first, my kids. You know, I got up early in the morning before they got up, and sometimes they would get up extra early, and they would interrupt me like every five seconds for all these little non-essential things. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had to train them. And I said, listen, if there's an emergency, if you're bleeding, if you threw up, you know, you can, of course, interrupt me. But if it's not an emergency and you just want to be with me, you can always be with me. You can bring a book into where I am and lay on the floor. You can lay with your head on my lap. You can just lay next to me. You can always be with me, but you can't talk to me. I need a couple quiet minutes Because when I have these quiet minutes, I'm a better mommy all day long. And they Mm -hmm. were like, oh, you're going to be a better mommy? Okay. And they sort of let me have that quiet time because they could feel the difference it was making in my life. 
mm-hmm. and in, in their life too, how I was coming to them. So they caught on very quickly and, you know, we're big supporters of, of my new program. So it was great. Wow, that's really amazing. Yeah, I guess when we set proper boundaries, you know, the people around us who love us, they, they, they accept those, you know, and boundaries are important. It's okay to have boundaries with your kids. We want them to grow up having boundaries. Yes, practicing care and respecting themselves and honoring their needs. How are they going to know how to do that if we don't model it for them? Right. We need to model it. You mentioned the martyr or the kind of motherhood victim mentality that can be so pervasive and and we could fall into that trap without even thinking that we'd be the type to fall into it. Like, where do you think it comes from? What what is going on? I think it comes from a place of love and care. I don't think, Mm -hmm. um, I think everyone that, does that thinks they're doing the right thing, Mm -hmm. it comes from love. So it's not, you know, it comes from a positive place. It just can go so far overboard that it's not positive anymore. Then it becomes negative for ourselves because we deserve that same love and care that we're giving to our family, right? We deserve that. We have to honor our own needs. Like we said with the modeling, we want our kids to grow up honoring their needs. How are they going to automatically know how to do that if we don't model it for them? So I think it does come from a place of love. And then I think that um, once we realize we've sort of fallen into this trap, I think compassion is really important. Not, you know, beating yourself up in any way and saying, I can't believe I did this to myself. And how did I let it get so far? But just saying, okay, well, this is where I am right now. And how can I sort of step by step? come out of this a little bit and just show more love and care for myself, just like I do for my family. Right. And I guess our mothers, it was a little bit different, their generation. I mean, do you think your mother suffered through this? I don't, my mother, like, I don't think so. Totally different. Times were so different. I don't think the same pressures existed. I don't think there was as much judgment and comparison, kind of what we have with social media, where we're looking at everybody else's life online and what people post looks so perfect. And then we feel all this pressure. It can sort of be a merry-go-round of comparison and judgment. And we have to notice if we're on that merry-go-round and make a conscious choice to get off. Yeah. And I think also on the the good thing of this is it's, we have more in a way more freedom more more opportunities more choices I think our parents generation and for short grandparents generations they were just busy with a lot of other stuff they weren't so hyper focused on their kids like we can be because thank god we have the luxury it's really a luxury but we it could go go overboard like you said yeah yeah so uh, Ali, um, now that we're on it, I mean, come on, it's overwhelming. And for mothers, for women in general, we tend to connect a million dots. You know, we think of one thing and, and thing, and then within seconds, we're thinking of 15 others. It's <laughs> of al- right. It's like, a, like our brains are wired, like this mishka bubble of wires all fumbled together. Right. Um, however, um, we are meant to go beyond that. We're meant to become more mindful, more present, even if that's a little bit of our nature. Um, but it's challenging. Where do you, what do you suggest we start? Um, how can we start little by little being more present? 
Well, I, I love what you said, that it is challenging. And I think that's the very first thing is acknowledging that. Okay. That, so that you can feel successful. Because, you know, especially when it comes to meditation, let's say, even bits of meditation, I teach a lot about one minute meditations, and what you can do to feel calmer and more present in one minute. Well, you are going to have thoughts that pop in your head, whether you are doing a mindfulness meditation or whether you're saying a prayer or whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. thoughts are going to come into your head because human beings are wired to think. The average human being has a thought about every two seconds, mm. okay? So that can be about fifty or 60,000 thoughts in one day. So to think you're even going to sit for two minutes and not have any thoughts, even one minute is unrealistic. So you want to set yourself up for success knowing that's normal and that you're not doing anything wrong. And there's misconceptions about, let's say, meditation um, or any mindfulness practices that you're going to sit and you're just going to clear your mind, okay? So people think that's what's supposed to happen, but that's not what's going to happen. You're practicing. You're practicing with focus, and thoughts will pop into your head. And then you'll say, okay, you know what? I'm planning our vacation. I'm thinking about my grocery list. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about what I'm making for Shabbat on Friday night. Okay, um, I've left my meditation. I've left my prayer. Let me come back. And that's the whole thing is keeping to come back, making that choice to come back and back and back. And that is success. And everything we do in our meditation or in our prayer is about doing it in everyday life. It's about having a better life. So let's say you take one minute and you practice a one minute meditation and you bring your focus back and you bring your focus back you're exercising that focus so that when you're outside of meditation or outside of your mindfulness practice, you're better at focusing. So you are more present with your kids and people that you love or your spouse or your friends or whatever activity you're doing, you're more present in it. So we only become more present if we practice that. Like we don't automatically know how to do that. It's it's like a muscle that we have to practice. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. And what you see is that you don't have to attach to all these thoughts. So thoughts come into your head and it's kind of like you can pretend they're sort of on a cloud drifting by. Right. Like you don't have to attach to it. It's just a thought and you can let it go. And the other thing that I think is so profound and so important is just because you have a thought doesn't make it true. Right. You can think something, it's not necessarily true. And so by saying to yourself, We have a visitor. My dog, um, I, I turned off my phone, but not my dog. Well, you know, we can't <laughs> do that much. <laughs> um, so anyway, you can ask yourself, is this even true? You know, if you're having a negative thought or a thought of judgment about yourself or even someone else, is this true? Do I really know it's true? Right. And then there's the, this um, woman that I love, this teacher named Byron Katie. And she asked this question that I think is amazing. Who would I be without this thought? Would I be more present? Would I be more calmer? Would I feel more confident? So sometimes I ask myself that. Well, if I wasn't having this thought, if I didn't attach to this, how would I feel? I'd feel so different. Right. I like what you said about attaching to it. You know, there's um, the book of Tanya. I might have mentioned this um, to you before, but it's the classic book of Jewish mysticism, of Chabad um, mysticism per se. And he speaks, the Alter Rebbe speaks over there about 
us, um, we can't control what we think of, meaning thoughts that pop into our head, like you said, but we can definitely control what we think about what we're, like you said before, what we're attaching ourselves to. Exactly. And that's where the, that's where the practice is controlling what we're going to choose to think about. And it's almost like if you allow your thoughts to come in, then the more you do that or the more you attach to those, then the easier they will return and return. But if you just let them go, if you choose not to engage in them, then it's just going to become easier for those thoughts not to even ever pop in. You know, it's kind of like It's almost like being the observer and being like, huh, that's interesting that I thought that. It's interesting. You know, you don't have to touch them. It's interesting. And another thing that I think is so important for moms especially or anyone is that Every emotion that we have, every thought, it's okay, but our reaction to it is not. Okay, so it's okay to feel frustrated with your kids. That is going to happen. So we're not superhuman. We're not robots. We're going to get frustrated with our kids. Yelling and screaming is probably not the proper reaction that you want, but taking a second to go in the other room and take 10 breaths and calm down and tell your kids you just need a moment so you can respond to them versus react and yell that's more appropriate. Right. So, so not feeling bad about the emotions that you have ever, just choosing a re- response and a reaction that feels good to you. And sometimes that takes a while and takes awareness and practice. And we do something that doesn't feel good. And we say, okay, that didn't feel good. What would I want to do different next time? Next time, I'm not just going to yell. I am going to tell my kids I need a minute by myself. Right. And so we just slowly can sort of change how we respond to a situation by just becoming aware of what feels good to us. And I think the key, the key word here is also slowly. Like you said before, we also have to be gentle because we're very harsh on ourselves, women. And sometimes we beat ourselves up and that technique never works. Like, oh, I was such a horrible mother and how come I yelled at my kids and I'm never going to get it better. No, it's okay. It's okay. Tomorrow. I- Tomorrow's a new day. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I used to lay awake for hours and hours every single night in my hot mess phase Uh and just beat myself up all night over every stupid thing I said, every time I yelled, every response that didn't feel good. Right. And so it was, I think that's what a waste of energy that was. Exactly. I I did that to myself. So my key that I sort of tell people is you're not going to overhaul your life in one fell swoop. You're not going to say like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be totally different, but it's picking one area that you want to work on and being consistent. So whether it's meditating for five minutes in the morning or being more consistent with your prayer or saying, you know what, I am going to take a 20 minute walk every day, or I am going to do a little bit of spiritual reading or practice gratitude or whatever feels good to you. Choose one thing And then be consistent with it. And I always say your tools don't work unless you work them. So you can't do something for three days and think it's going to change your life. But if you do something consistently for a few weeks and then maybe it turns into a few months, you really start to notice a difference. So it's start with one small thing and then be consistent. You know, you mentioned gratitude and I read some I read an article that you wrote that you you try to practice gratitude very early in the morning the first thing that you do when you wake up is you try to have a thought of gratitude and I was so taken aback by that because I I don't know if you were aware and I guess that's this is my question this is such this is a Jewish concept this is the first 
words that we say in the morning, the modeani are those, those first, those 12 words where we express gratitude for our soul to come back into the world, into our bodies, and for God to have faith in us that we can, you know, we could give to this world and we could create, we can have a new creative day for ourselves. And I just thought it was so special that you, you have that in you. Do you think that you inherited, it was like a Jewish thing or? You uh, know, what's so funny. You're saying that I'm like, okay, I'm going to start saying the modani in the morning because I'm saying it kind of in English. So there you really go. Nice heard it. Um, and like we talked about one small change. So I have been since we talked about it, lighting the Shabbat candles every Friday night, yeah. doing that consistently. So now I'm going to bring the moda in. The end. So once you get one habit going, then you can bring another in. But so what I try to remember when I open my eyes is the first thing I say is, thank you, God. Thank you for another chance to live my very best life. Exactly. And Beautiful. that's you know, what I say, and then um, it sets the tone for our for the entire day. That's the bottom line. It really does. Mm -hmm. And I have another my favorite new gratitude thing, because I'm always learning and thinking of new things And I have a bunch in get the most out of motherhood uh -huh, tell us. that I can share. But there is even another one that I started doing after I wrote the book, because you know, it takes a year for a book to come out. Mm -hmm. So there's new things too. And one thing that my favorite my new favorite is, um, I have a note that simply says gratitude on my bathroom mirror. Okay. And I see it when I brush my teeth in the morning and the night. And when I see it, I just think of a few things that I'm grateful for. I'm just standing there brushing my teeth anyway. And so I'm sure that I begin and end each day with gratitude, which feels really good. And you could put a note, you could put that gratitude on your kids' mirrors or your husband. It's really nice. But there's a bunch of things. So um, we... Um, we do family gratitude. We have a family gratitude journal okay. um, we keep on the dinner table and everyone, you know, at the end of the day, writes something they were grateful for, for their day. Um, and then another one we do, we do morning mindfulness in the car on the way to school. So everybody takes like three to five nice, long, deep breaths to sort of settle their nervous system. And then they think of three things that they're grateful for, big or small. And then everyone tells me why today is going to be amazing. And it puts everyone in the best mood. Everyone gets out of the car for their day feeling great. You know those days, have you ever had a day where like your kids are fighting in the back seat and one's crying and then you pull up to carpool line and they have to get out of the car and you me? think, I can't never, Ali, it <laughs> never happens in your home. I don't know what kind of home you're running. <laughs> <laughs> so, those days I'm like, I got to, I can't stand sending them to school like this. I got to like do something to make everyone be in a good mood on the way to school. Right. So that's what we do in the morning. And then everyone's like happy with a full heart and feels really good when they get out of the car. I love that. Um, I'm gonna have to. My kids walk, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna have you do to do it while twist. you walk, or like before they leave. Before they leave, I really, really love that. It's really so beautiful. And you know, I just it's so sweet. The kids we carpool with now, like the whole carpool, has to do it when they're in the car with me, <laughs> and they all love it. And they get in the car, and the first thing they say is, "Are we doing mindfulness this morning?" <laughs> and then they've taught the other moms, so now whoever drives does it with the kids. They love it. Good for you. You see how a good deed spreads and spreads exactly. like a ripple effect. That's right. <laughs> I love it. I so love it. Okay, so tell us more specific techniques. I know you divided your book into three parts, mindset, method, and moment, and you were very intentional about that. Um, so maybe walk us through those three, and then maybe we could, you could give us some, some more techniques that we could put to use right away as okay. calmer so, mothers. <laughs> the mindful mom mindset is really about 
how you're preparing yourself to come to your life, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So I talk about what mindful parenting is to me. I talk about things like crowding out, you know, how um, this is actually something I read about first in a diet book, like how if you eat enough of the healthy food, then you're not hungry for the junk food. Absolutely. And I'm like, if that works with eating, I bet it works with thought. Yes. So I'm like, okay, so if I think enough good thoughts, I don't have enough time in the day for bad thoughts. And so I talk about that gratitude, um, how you make your smartphone, your mindfulness tool, getting rid of comparison and and judgment. And then I give a lot of, um, I call it meditation for the real mom world. I give a lot of it, a whole chapter of actual like how to meditate instruction for people that want to bring meditation in. Mm-hmm. Um, all kinds of just ways to have a more mindful mindset about pushing less and flowing more and using your intuition like a full-time job and all these things that just sort of get you thinking in the right direction for how to be more mindful. And then Mindful Mom Methods is sort of extending this to your family, prioritizing your partner, using transitions, technology detoxing and tech rules in your house. The best way to get your kids' attention and get them on your team and getting your kids to be kinder to each other and doing this all with a mindfulness-based approach. And mindfulness is really moment-to-moment awareness without judgment, but really just being in the moment. And so I use talk a lot about these methods of how you can bring this to your family. And then Mindful Mom moments are, I have five different ways that you can really connect and bond with your kids in a meaningful and fun way. So that's always really important. You know, everything doesn't have to be like so serious. We want to have fun with our kids too and really connect with them. I talk a lot about connecting and growing these bonds and you know, respect before their teenage years. So really, you know, creating that open line of communication so that when the teenage years hit, you really have this foundation with each other to keep the lines of communication open. Wow. So, so important. I guess we're both, we're both kind of in the same age group. Is your, how old is your oldest? 12? He's 12. So he's preteen. Preteen. Yeah. My oldest is 11. And yes, I see the preteen years, like the shift is happening. Oh yeah. I once heard a wonderful speaker, Dina, Dina Hurwitz. She's a mother of seven and her husband suffers from ALS, a degenerative disease. And she was telling us to and one of the uh, she gave us a few tips and one of them you know I really resonated with me which was say yes to your kids more often and I was like what and she said and I don't mean like indulge them and buy them everything they want I I mean think about it think about what you're saying no to like very often we're just saying no 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 because we just want to do other stuff but really like the kid just wants you to read your book the kid just wants to play the music let him play the music the kid just wants to bake with you you know just look for ways to say yes and I was like wow that's she and I are soul sisters right because I have a whole chapter on that in my first book hot mess to mindful mom look for when you can say yes so I'll give you an example of how this came in my life. So uh-huh. there was one time, um, you know, years ago where my little one was very small and I had my hands in a pot, dish gloves up to my elbows, you know, scrubbing a pot in the kitchen. And he came over and he said, mommy, will you play this game with me? And I had like that split second where I was about to say, as soon as I'm done with the dishes, I'll play with you. And I right. said to myself, typical reaction that any of us I, would have but had. I did it. And I said, you know what, in my head, in this like split second, I said, 
does it really matter if I do the dishes first or play the game first? No. And I said, you know what, sweetie? I will play the game with you. And I took off the dish gloves and I left the pot and his face just lit up that he was more important to me than a pot. Yes. You know? And I just, I, that, I will always remember that. And so it can't, it's not always possible. Sometimes you do really need to cook dinner and you need to put a younger sibling to bed and you can't always say yes, but when you can, do it when you can do it. Yeah, it's so important. It's so important. I have to have that so present because, um, yeah, I need to find more ways to just say yes, especially now they grow so fast. And like you said, you know, they're going to be teenagers soon. And if you miss these opportunities to just simply connect with them, just stop just because um, you're missing out on a lot. You know, when you you said before about we were talking about mindsets and you said about thoughts and it reminded me that I heard something that the brain works kind of like a Google crawler. And if you've, you know, the, 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 the brain will, will, will pull the thoughts that are searched for more often. So it's like search engine optimization. So right. if you want to optimize your thoughts, then you have to try to engage with, with th the thoughts that you really want because the brain will pull automatically what comes up most. It's a bit- That's a really cool analogy, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about being kinder to each other because we, we you mentioned it during the method and that's a big one. I mean, come on, they are- they fight and it's like the most painful thing for parents to see siblings just not being nice to each other. What can yeah. we do? Well, I started utilizing this. I put a note on my fridge that mm -hmm. said, think. So get your kids to think, okay? And um, it's like a big T-H-I-N-K. And it stands for, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Oh, okay. I love that. And so I was going, we were having a little phase where as sad as it is to admit, my older one was like sort of not being so nice to his little brother all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm sure no one else has that in their house. No, we don't. Of course And <laughs> um, so it sort of gave us a language to use. Like instead of me saying like, be nice, you know, I would say, okay, before you say something, you need to think, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And, you know, so he might say something and say, you know what, sweetie, if we're using think, like, was that really helpful? I mean, for real, was that helpful? And he'd be like, no. You know, so it just gave a language besides be nice because they could understand, you know, it, is it true? Is it helping the situation? Is it necessary? Or are you just wanting to you know, vent or take out your frustration on someone else because there's other ways to do that, healthier ways to act on your emotions than taking it out on your little brother. So it just gave us that new language, that conscious language to use around being kind. I love it. And also it gave them, it kind of turned the table to them and made them think about what they were just saying instead of being on, on you, the nagging mother who's always exactly. making a comment after they speak. Right. And they can use that language with each other. Like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I don't feel like you were thinking when you said that to me. And what we did when I introduced this concept was um, I, we modeled. We kind of role played a little bit and we ran through some examples. And I would say something and they would have to determine if I used the criteria. And then they took turns practicing. And, um, and it was really helpful. 
I'm going to go right after we hang up. I'm going to go um, put it up on a, we have a, a board on our kitchen. I'm going to go put it up and then explain it to the kids when they come home. I, I love this. I really, really do. And yeah. what, what about the technology? You mentioned technology. And I know that's a big one for so many moms and the use of technology at home and <laughs> detoxing and setting boundaries around those. Yes. I mean, I think it is really, really important um, because our phones, it's a blessing and a curse. They're inspiring. We connect with people. We read beautiful quotes. We get ideas and recipes. And, you know, there's so many good things about it. But it can be a time suck and it can make us feel much less present with our loved ones. Yes. So we need to just have boundaries around it. Okay. I mean, I read this statistic that you think teenagers are the worst, worst offenders, but it's like, 20s, 30s, and 40s, and the average adult checks social media um, 19 times a day, wow. okay? I mean, it's shocking. And sometimes I'll check a few times, and I'll be like, oh, my goodness, how many times am I doing? <laughs> like, I have to put this away. Right. So, um, so I often detox at least one day, a minimum of a few hours on Saturday or Sunday, which really kind of falls in line with Shabbat. I mean, if you think mm-hmm. about it, mm-hmm. it's just Shabbat is the perfect time um, to detox. So, you know, that's just been given to us that, that guideline, which yes. really works so amazingly. Um, and then we never have phones at family meals. Um, and I often leave mine in the car. If I'm walking into a restaurant with my family and I'm with like the people that would be my emergency. Right. And so I know I won't be getting, you know, an emergency phone call. Then I just leave it in the car. Yeah. Uh, I tried to do that too. Yeah. We do like family game nights that, you know, are, we get out board games and we all put the phones away. Um, what else do we do? Oh, I don't look at social media for at least 30 minutes before bed or up to, you know, I try for an hour. I really try to I leave my phone downstairs um, and I go upstairs around nine. So mm-hmm. after nine, I don't have it. And then what I try to also do is from when my kids get home after school till after dinner, I try not to, I don't do social media and I try not to look at the phone so I can be really present. Yeah, with that. that's a big one. I try to do those too. And I just, and like you said before, it's just practice it and not every day we're going to succeed, but like set the framework on the boundary and try to stay as consistent as you can. I found it really helpful, especially unplugging um, around 738. I think my phone is in do not disturb and uh, it's just plugged in my bathroom. I don't reach for it. I don't, nobody beeps me. You know, I, I set it in a way that I'm not even tempted because there's no, no buzzing. <laughs> right. Exactly. And there's actually, I've used apps before where um, it times how much time you spend on your phone in a day and it's really shocking. So I encourage everyone to just use a timer, an app that times your social, your phone use just for one day and see how much it is because you might be very, very surprised. Yeah, it's amazing. And speaking of time, Ali, I know you're a big proponent of flipping the way we think about time. We often think about time as I just I, I have I have to find time for this. I have to find time for this. But it's time is not necessarily a scarce resource as we kind of like think about it. But it's more like we are able to make the time for certain things that are a priority. And so talk to us about that subtle difference. Exactly. Well, think about it like this. If there was, if you got a flat tire 
Okay, you would make the time to get it fixed. Mm -hmm. You would have to. If your child, God forbid, had an accident, you would find the time, you would make the time to go to the doctor, right? You don't find the time to go to the doctor. You make the time. You make the time for what's important to you. Exactly. So I use my calendar as my mindfulness tool in this area. Um, What I do is I'm a big scheduler. And so I don't think that having a to-do list is enough. Having a to-do list means we just keep track of everything we have to do, but that doesn't exactly help us figure out when we're going to do it. So my key to making the time for what's important to me is taking my to-do list to my calendar and plugging in when I'm doing each of the things I need to do. This includes my self-care. This includes when I'm exercising. This includes having a special date with one of my kids. This includes having a coffee with a friend, right? We're going to schedule our coffee. We might have to schedule it for a month or two out in advance, but we're going to make that time, you know? So, and I also have um, longer term projects on my calendar. So let's say I want to, you know, clean out my closet. Okay. And I need two to three hours to do that. It might take me two months on my calendar to find that three hour block, but I will plan it out. It will be there. And then the weight is sort of lifted off of my shoulders because I know it's coming. I planned when it is. I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's going to get done. So that helps me a lot. And everyone that I've encouraged to, you know, figure out when they're doing certain things said it has changed their life. Yeah, you've encouraged me to do that. And my husband also, he's a big proponent. I mean, I, I'm very big on the to-do list. And then sometimes I get so overwhelmed. And I, you, because you're my friend and my husband, he's always like, put it on the calendar. Just open the calendar and just write out exactly when you're doing it. And it's it's really changes everything because it's there and that's when you're doing it. There's there's no going around it. Like there's nothing else that's going to go into that time slot, period. <laughs> and then I think it's easier to release any pressure that you feel because you know it, you have space for it and you don't have to worry about it until then. Exactly. So it, it just helps you relax a it, little bit too, it, I think. It, it, it gets rid of the overwhelm, period. Yeah. Right. Um, Ali, let's switch, let's, let's uh, switch to some Jewish topics. We mentioned Shabbat already and the digital detox. And, um, so let me ask you, do you have any traditions that you hold dear to that maybe you brought from home, from your parents' home, or maybe your husband brought them into the marriage, or maybe you adopted them as an adult? Anything that is very dear and that you incorporate in your home? Jewish traditions. Um, well, okay, I didn't grow up super religious, but we did do Shabbat growing up and celebrated all the holidays. And I mean, my some of my favorite memories are the way my mom used to decorate for Hanukkah and Mm. all these special things that she did. And it's so nice because Hanukkah is coming up. Um, I would say what um, makes me feel the most present in my in my faith is really prayer. Um, Uh Even though I, I wouldn't say I have a ton of um, you know, things that I guess more physical things that I do, I, prayer is very, very important to me. And I, I pray to God every day. How and so that makes me feel very connected. How beautiful. Um, and then I am, I am getting better about lighting the Shabbat candles and I'm enjoying it so much. And actually what I've started doing, it's become such a beautiful thing for my mother and I, 
I'll call her. She lives in Philadelphia and I'm in Houston and I'll call her as I'm about to light the candles and she'll get hers and we'll light them together and say the blessing together, which is really nice. And so that's been a beautiful bonding thing for both of us. So I'm excited to keep that going and, you know, really celebrating the holidays with my family and just making them important to us. And we have a bar mitzvah coming up. And so that's really special. That is very special. That's very special. All right. Let's do some JLP fill in the blanks. And this is the part of the show where I give you an open-ended sentence and you fill it with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay? Okay. All right. I'm Allie Katz and I feel most spiritual when? When I'm taking time for self-care and I allow myself the quiet space to connect with God and my highest self. Oh, when beautiful. I really just get quiet and still. Beautiful. And I guess we didn't really define self-care. Can you define it for us? Because I think it can it can take many shapes, right, Allie? You know, I sort of differentiate self-care and self-love in this way. Uh-huh. Self-care are the acts that bring more balance into your life. And self-love to me is all about acceptance accepting yourself and where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so really self-care for me can be anything that makes you feel good, whether it's meditation or exercising or spending time in nature or journaling or practicing gratitude or saying your prayer or cooking and really being in the moment with that or anything that feels good to you mm-hmm. that helps you to feel more centered and present and, you know, and allows yourself the time and space to feel really good in your day. To me, that's self-care. Beautiful. My favorite mitzvah or one I feel most connected with is? Right now, my favorite mitzvah that I'm doing is um, one of my dogs is a pet therapy dog. And we go visit a Holocaust survivor um, about every week or every other week who um, is very elderly and she lost her animal, her dog, and she's too old to get another one, mm-hmm. but she loves animals. And so we go visit her. My dog sits on her lap and we play gin and she tells me stories and it just brings so much joy to her day and to her life. And I think it brings it equal, if not more to mine because it, I have a great time. I feel good. I'm with my animal. I'm making her happy. I feel great. So that's, that's my that, favorite thing right now. That is so amazing. How did you even start doing this? It's unbelievable. You know, kind of divine intervention. Yes, absolutely. So I had called Jewish Family Service and said I wanted to start volunteering. Uh huh. And I just felt called to doing something with the elderly. And then I did put on my application that my dog was a pet therapy dog. And I turned in my application and they said the day before they got a phone call from a family this woman's family asking if someone could come visit with their dog. It just was like synchronicity at its best. And so they matched us up and that was that. I love it. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing how divine providence works. And based on this story, because I knew this from before, um, somebody recently told me that 
her mother is lonely and, you know, even though she lives at home with her, but, you know, she has errands to do during, during the day. She just turned 98 and she's a woman who um, speaks many languages, French, Portuguese, English, Yiddish, very, very cultured woman. She's an artist. And I thought of what you did and I told my friend, you know what, call Jewish Family Services and tell them about your mother's profile because there might be somebody out there who speaks French or who speaks Portuguese or who's an artist or who's just like kind of has the same interest in your mother who would love to visit with such a cultured woman, you know? Yes. Um, um, did they find someone? Do you know? So I'm going to now, after we get off the phone, I'm going to follow up with her. I just had this conversation with her this past week. So I'm going to follow up with her to see if oh, she great. did because I thought it was very, and I learned it from you. So thank oh, you. Oh, awesome. Um, I'll let you know what happens. All right. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is? Well, I mentioned Hanukkah, but I think that um, the way my mom decorated for Hanukkah is something <laughs> like this bright light that I can see it from my childhood um, of growing up. She, You know what she did? She put these twinkle lights around the fireplace where all of the Hanukkah decorations and all the presents and it just is the most beautiful memory in my mind. Oh, that's so, so sweet. Hanukkah is such a special holiday. It's, it's, we're, we're all so excited around here. And um, you know, I don't remember one single present that I ever got growing up because that's not what's so important. But right. I remember the way she decorated and took the care and the love to make that feel special. It, that's it, what sticks in my head. You know, it goes to show that the woman sets the tone of the home. You know, that's what you remember. That 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 just the tone that she was setting, how she was making it so special because it is special. Um, something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is? Everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my Hebrew school, they did this thing, looking back at such a shame. They said, anyone that wants to learn, sit in the front. And anyone that wants to just talk, go sit in the back. I guess they were like sick of us talking. So, I mean, of course, at like 10 years old, I went and sat in the back. And now I want to know everything that I missed. You see, that's, that's why we're friends. We can learn together. <laughs> I know. So, I, um, you know, it's great because I'm learning through my kids and, and what they're doing. And I'm always trying to learn and expand my horizons. And one thing that was amazing for me was I started teaching some Jewish meditation. Mm. And they asked me to do it at my synagogue. And I was like, what's Jewish meditation? And so I really had to learn about, you know, different Hebrew mantras and what they mean. And I would talk to my rabbi about like weaving Judaism into the meditation. And that was that's actually been a really special experience for me. Very so interesting. All right. Finally, I'm Ali Katz. And today I'm most grateful for. Today and every day, I'm most grateful for connection. I love um connecting, really being present and connecting with my family, with friends, like this kind of conversation that we're having, really, really being in the moment and connecting. I think that's what life is all about, connecting with other people and learning and expanding. And I think that's just, that's what I pray every morning. I say, let me be a vessel for the right words and the right deeds and let me bring true love, light, and connection into my day and my life. And so I think of really connecting with other people. Ali, you're so wonderful. You're so beautiful. This was so special. Thank you so much. Tell Thank us what, you for having me. What's coming up? Did I hear that you're working on another book? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm working on my third book, which <laughs> is very exciting. It's called, right now the title is called One Minute to Zen, 
And it's all about one-minute meditations, things you can do really quickly in your day to come back to center and balance. So I'm working on that. And then right now, I'm actually traveling the country um, talking about my first two books, Hot Mess to Mindful Mom and Get the Most Out of Motherhood. So I'm really enjoying that. I'm going to be all over the place in the next few months. And Beautiful. And you're planning a bar mitzvah. Very special. Yes, we're going to Israel in two weeks. So um, he's exciting. having a bar mitzvah there. And then we're going to do one in Houston also. Mazel tov. Very, very exciting. Ali, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Isn't Ali a beautiful soul? We enjoy each other's company a lot. We met in Houston through a friend in common, and we now make time to have a date every month or every other month. Did you notice the word make time? (laughs) We're totally totally helping each other consistently and lifting each other up. You remember that interview with Wendy Sachs on episode 31? Yes, 31. Well, yeah, that spirit of camaraderie and collaboration, Ali and I both embrace that. Ladies, we all need friends like that. Ali and I learn so much from each other. Thanks, Ali, for stopping by. The book again is Get the Most Out of Motherhood, a Hot Mess to Mindful Mom Parenting Guide. You can find Ali at hotmesstomindfulmom.com. All of this and more, including the transcript to this episode. Yes, we have transcripts now. So if you ever want to go back and find what a guest said, or you're more of a reader than a listener, we have transcripts. They're free to download all back at jewishlatinprincess.com. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.